Welcome to the Radiant Visalia podcast. Join us at one of our two services, 9 a.m. and 1045 a.m. Download the Church Center app or visit our website, radiantvisalia.com, to stay connected with us. All right, enjoy. Community is not the ultimate here for us. It points to the thing that's ultimate. So I know that's a bit of a riddle. And you might be asking yourself, well, how do you know? How do you know if you have a mission of community or that you're a community on mission? I don't even understand what that says or what that means. How do you know? How do you know? What are some things... So I thought it'd be unfair to give you some sort of riddle and and let you walk away. But you may have a mission of community. Do you get what I'm saying? It's like your whole mission is community. Community is so important to you that it is your mission. Or is community, or are you a community on mission? What's the ultimate? Here's how you may know if you have a mission of community. If you drove here in a car that has a coexist bumper sticker, you may have a mission of community. And I'm not, I think we should coexist. I'm not, I'm excited about that. But, but you know that someone has a mission of community when community comes before their convictions. They're willing to let go of their convictions in order to have community. Because community is the ultimate. If you've got a coexist bumper sticker, you're welcome here. You probably have a mission of community. Another way that you, you, you may have a mission of community, it might be the ultimate thing in your life. It might be the end and not a means to an end for you. Um, if you sit in the same spot in this church every week, If you sit in the same spot every week in this church and sit next to the same people, you may have a mission of community. Larry. (laughs) Because you you prefer, you do. I mean, if you have a mission of community, you prefer comfort. You don't prefer change. None of us prefer change. But I believe when you're a community on mission and you understand that the community is designed to move forward into a mission, you embrace change. I'm not asking you to like it. I'm asking you to embrace it. Be all right. You uh, prefer comfort over change, so you stay connected to those close relationships around you. There's no room for other people. You sit in the same spot, you go to lunch with the same people, and you say things like, let's keep the faith. Let's keep the faith. (laughs) Don't ever keep the faith. It's a bad idea. I get what people are trying to say. I think you should share your faith. If you fail to share your faith, probably don't have a good shot of keeping your faith. Share your faith. Sit next to people you don't know. Go to lunch with people you don't know. Um...
Community, I, I want to make sure to say this, it's, it's a great thing. It's an incredible gift that God's given us. But good things, when they become God things, become bad things. Those are idols, and God takes great joy in tearing those down. That's what he does. It's not a bad thing. If you take a group of people, like uh, maybe I could take this group of people on this second row. Could you guys stand up for me? Sorry. And uh, would you guys go ahead and circle up? (laughs) Circle up here. This, this is what naturally happens. When you ask a group of people to gather, when you ask a group of people to circle up, they circle up facing inward. And it's not until you rebuke them for looking at each other that they actually even think to themselves, maybe there's another way to circle up. Maybe we don't have to circle up and stare at each other. Maybe we can circle up and face outward. So this is what happens for someone. Go ahead. Here's the, <laughs> yeah, and uh, the problem is, is that this is incomplete as well. A completely outward-facing church is not the church as God designed it to be. But this is the knee-jerk reaction when you tell people to stop looking at each other, as they turn around. Oh yeah, we're about mission. That's right. I think the best way to stand would be with one shoulder in and one shoulder out. You can circle up that way as well. It's awkward. I feel awkward just looking at you guys. (laughs) But a completely outward-facing church isn't it either. All right, you guys can sit down. Thanks. This is your natural position is to face inward. And it's going to take some work and take some sacrifice for you to turn and face outward or to even turn and put one shoulder in and one shoulder out. The third thing that I want to tell you about mission and about the mission here at Radiant Church is that uh, you're not a fisherman. You're not a fisherman, you're a fishing net. I know that Jesus said that you are a fisher of men. I hate to go against him. I'll explain this. You're not a fisher of men in the way you think someone would fish men. You're more like a fishing net. When Jesus called the first disciples, he invited them to become fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. These men, or at least I think it's five of the twelve, were fishermen, so this language made sense to them. This metaphor was really rich. Jesus spoke in a language that they could understand. So he calls these men to be fishermen. And when we think of fishing, what do we think of? Alone, single rod, with a single lure dragging that lure in a way that looks attractive to a fish, that fish taking the bait, you setting the hook, and then reeling that fish back in. 
This is what we think of when we think about fishing. And then um, what has happened for me consistently over the years in church is that people have um, used this to talk about evangelism. What you need is the right bait. And at the right time, you set the hook and you reel them in by praying the prayer. There's nothing wrong with the prayer that you prayed. The problem with this idea about fishing is that it would have made zero sense to a first century fisherman. This is not what they thought of when they thought of fishing. It wasn't a single rod, a single lure, a single fish. This was not what they thought about when they thought about fishing. When the, when the disciples thought about it, they thought about fishing with nets. They would cast their nets out into the water, and they would haul their nets back into the boat. Whatever happened to be swimming in the way of the net was hauled back in and caught. The key, listen to this, the key to successful fishing in Jesus' day was not technique, it wasn't timing. The key to successful fishing in Jesus' day was strong nets. So the fisherman spent his entire day mending his net. Because it wasn't based on the winds, it wasn't based on the weather, it wasn't based on the lure. It was based on the strength and how tight the net was. If their nets were nice and strong, anything they caught would not escape. I want to propose to you today that the church is a web of connected relationships that Jesus is intending to cast. Not to collide with individual fish, but whole schools of fish, whole subcultures. That the Lord is here knitting people together, connecting us to each other, strengthening our relationships with each other because he intends to cast that net into the water and he he intends to drag it back to the boat. He intends that the net he's created will collide with whole schools of fish. When people come in contact with the web of connected relationships that's forming here at Radiant Church, my prayer is that they would get caught. There's something in them, they just get like stuck. They wouldn't be able to just pass through an interaction with us. They would get hung up on the way we are with each other. This is happening, uh, this is happening, I see this going on here in this church. I see this going on uh, inside the Visalia music scene. There's a lot of musicians here. We all play in each other's bands. And we're coming, as as a group of people that have been knit together, as a group of people, as a web of connected relationships, we're coming in contact with a whole school. And I know that when people interact with us, they're hung up on some things. They get caught by things. They're really interested in this church as a result of their interactions with us. This isn't just happening with the music kind of scene. I believe that this is happening probably with moms. I believe this is happening in businesses. 
that there are connections being made here that the Lord intends to fish with. Teachers, photographers, there's quite a few of those in here. The Lord intends to use us as a fishing net, a web of connected relationships. Moms from Radiant Church should gather at local parks and collide with other moms that should be taken and drawn in by the connection they see. Remember, Jesus said this, that they would know we are his disciples by our love for one another. That our love for one another should say something to the rest of the world. Francis Schaeffer said this, Our relationship with each other is the criterion the world uses to judge whether our message is truthful. Christian community is the final apologetic. I want to ask you today, Who's above you? Who are you looking to? I want to ask you, who's beside you, walking step by step with you? Who is it that the Lord has connected you with on your right and left? Who's beneath you, providing a foundation on which to stand? Where is God casting you in your group of relationships, your web of relationships? Where is He throwing you? The fourth thing you need to know about the mission here at Radiant Church is that in order to honor God with the mission, it must be to the quartet of the vulnerable. There's over 300 passages inside the Bible concerning the poor, and four continually come up. Four persons continually come up. The widow, the fatherless, the immigrant, and the poor. Over and over and over again. This is what the Lord of Heaven's armies says. Judge fairly and show mercy and kindness to one another. Do not oppress widows, foreigners, orphans, and the poor. It's striking to see how God introduces Himself. I can only touch on this this morning. But it's striking to see how God introduces himself. Because when I get introduced to people, they say things typically like this. This is Travis Aikland. He's the pastor of Radiant Church. And the reason that I get introduced that way is because that's what I spend the majority of my time in public doing. This just happened last week with Jerry McElroy, who's not here, so I can pick on him. But I ended up in his shop. And I grew up at Jerry's house was dressed probably a little bit like this. And so he walks up to someone working as a mechanic in his shop and said, this is my minister. Uh, and I was, I was un, as uncomfortable as the guy who just like heard that. You know, It was just kind of like, are you sure? It just felt really strange to be introduced as Jerry's minister. Don't tell him that. Okay. So when God introduces himself, he introduces himself as a defender of the poor. Because that's what he spends the majority of his public life doing. Psalm 68 says, His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Father to the fatherless. Defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. 
God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free, gives them joy. Israel was charged with creating a culture of social justice for the poor and vulnerable, vulnerable because, again, this is how the nation could reveal the character of God to the world. This is who I am. This is what God does. This is how he identifies himself as a defender of the poor. So this is what you're to do as a nation because it will reveal who I am to the world. If we're going to honor God with the mission of this church, it's going to have to be to the immigrant. It's going to have to be to the orphan. It's going to have to be to the widow. And it's going to have to be to the poor. This is what he does. This is how he introduces himself. He's never introduced in scripture as the defender of the rich. Not that he doesn't care about you. And not that we aren't all poor in some ways. But this is, this is how he likes to be introduced. When you, when, you, when you introduce me, say that I'm a father to the fatherless. If we're going to reflect him, we've got to be about it. I was working for the gas company. And uh, while reading meters, I walked past a guy who had a... Uh, who he had some movement in his hands, but limited movement in his hands. So I don't think he was a true quadriplegic, maybe some version of a paraplegic. Is that, I'm not, I don't even know what I'm talking about, but you know what I'm saying. And, uh, and it was real hot and he was um, bundled in, in blankets and they were all Vikings blankets. And so uh, immediately when I saw him, I felt moved with compassion and, um, and I, and I know enough about myself to know that that's probably not me. And, uh, and I know enough about scripture to know it was that type of compassion that moved Jesus to heal. So I immediately started thinking, I'm going to pray for this guy. I'm going to pray for this guy to be healed. Why not? And so I walk up to him, and of course I start talking about the Vikings. Then I start talking about football. Then I go inside, hang out for a little bit longer. His name was Stanley. And I formed a relationship with Stanley. I didn't feel comfortable that day praying for him. Um, thought I'd build a relationship with him first. So I continued for the next couple of years to go visit Stanley. We'd watch movies. We'd eat some food. We'd talk mostly football. And uh, for two years, never got to the place where I had faith to pray for him to be healed. And I didn't quite know why. Well, I showed up one day and I was... Um, I knew I just wanted to start the conversation with him. And what was interesting that day is when I showed up in Stanley's house, which was a crazy place. He left his burners running to warm the joint. Um, cockroaches cr- crawled out of his VCR. I went to put a movie in. Cockroaches uh, came out. Every time I came home, my wife would say, you've been at Stanley's house because she could smell me uh, a little ways away. But this time I went and I was, gonna, I was, gonna br- I was just going to bring God up. We were going to talk God. And when I walked in, there was this new piece of art on his wall that was a, a cross that he had made potentially in some uh, COS art class. And I remember thinking, oh my goodness. So I said, hey, did you paint that? He said, yeah, I painted that. I said, do you believe in that cross? And he says to me, he says, we may be bad kids at times, but we're his kids. And... We went on to have this amazing conversation about God. 
that, that ended in this place where I was asking, when you get to heaven and you get legs back, I mean, what are you going to do? Like, well, what's the first thing you're going to do? And he says to me, he's going to run this route. He's going to catch a pass, you know. And at that time, we joked because um, he was a uh, huge um, Viking fan. And so I made some sort of Brett Favre joke because Brett Favre was on the Packers at the time. So I was asking him who would throw this pass. We had this great conversation. And I left Stanley's house that day. And uh, one of the things that happened as we were hanging out that day is he bent down with a fork. He would smoke out of a fork. Have you ever seen that? He bent down to light his cigarette on the burner that was running to warm his house. And, uh, And he had a huge beard. And I remember thinking to myself, this like... You know, I, I said, you got to figure something else out, man. This is really scary, you know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, we, had, we just had this fantastic time. I left Stanley's house, and I remember hearing the Lord tell me. He said, if you'll spend yourself on behalf of the, on, on behalf of the poor, your light will break forth. If you will spend yourself on behalf of the poor, your light will break forth. And I remember thinking, that is a, that's a reference to Isaiah 58. And I went home and I dove into Isaiah 58 to read it. Is this not the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness. To undo the straps of the yoke. To let the oppressed go free. And to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and to not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall appear up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry. And he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and the speaking wickedness, if you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And and you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. And your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach, the restorer of streets to dwell in. I left thinking, man, what am I pouring myself out for? We're pouring ourselves out for a building that we're moving into next week in hopes that our light will break forth. I pour myself on a weekly basis into sermons, believing that in some way, through a sermon, our light will break forth. Here we have in Scripture God saying, you want it to dawn. You want your light to break forth. You pour yourself out for the hungry. You spend yourself. You spend yourself on behalf of this quartet. The widow, the orphan, the immigrant, the poor. Three days after I left Stanley's house, my mom read in the newspaper that he caught on fire and burned alive in his home. 
And it happened the very day after I talked to him about not lighting his cigarettes with his face so close to the burner. If we're going to be about God's mission, we're going to be about these people. And I wish I could tell you that moving into a building on Northwest 3rd is going to do the work for us. It's not. As a church, we need God's heart for these people. I want to pray this morning over the nets that God's created here. And I want to ask that you would uh, stand and maybe hold hands. I know it's a little bit swampy in here. I want you to stand and hold hands with the people that you're sitting next to. If this is your first time here, I'm sorry, and then I'm not. Jesus, I thank you for the relationships that are here. Uh, I'm, I'm in a room uh, with my, my closest friends. And our desire as a church, as a web of connected relationships, is that you would throw us, that you would cast us, that you would place us where you want us. I pray for the strength of this net and the connections that you've built here. I pray for broken relationships and ask that there would be reconciliation. I pray for those here in this church that have let go. And I ask that you would bring us back together, that you would um, remind us that we have a ministry of reconciliation. I pray that you would strengthen this net, the relationships that are represented here, the connections that are represented here. I pray that you would strengthen those and then you would fish with us, God. I pray, Jesus, as a church, that we could collide with the city. That if anyone's going to move through this town, they're going to have to move through us. I ask that you would equip us, that you would mend our nets. I pray for the teachers here, that they would understand that their relationships are important with each other. And that they would continue to encourage one another. And that you would cast them into the school district. I pray for the businessmen here. The business, the business people here, God. That you would strengthen their relationships with one another. And that they would see that they're together to reflect the glory of God. And that you would cast them into the marketplace. We pray for the artists and the musicians. That you would strengthen their relationships and remind them that they're living for something more than themselves. 
that you would cast them into the music scene here. We pray for the moms who will be on play dates together, that they would understand that the relationships that they're growing with other moms and with their own kids is a reflection of who you are. And that other moms in the park that come in contact with them would get stuck, would get hung up on the way that they treat one another. We ask for souls, God. That you would save souls in our city and that you would use us to do it. In Jesus' name, amen. On your way in, you, re- you received a bulletin. If you're interested in working next Sunday or have any time over the next two weeks to work on the building that we're moving into, please write down your name, your number, and your availability and drop it in a wood box on your way out. There's a wood box there. If you weren't here last week, give us your name, your phone number, your availability. Come down there and work with us. Next Sunday, we won't be here. We'll be at the new church. Two shifts. There'll be a shift of work going on from 8 to 12, and there'll be one going on from 12 to 3. Don't bring your kids. Dad, stay home during the morning. Mom, stay home in the afternoon. Lunch will be provided, but there won't be any child care. So next Monday, we're meeting at 8 a.m. at 316 Northwest 3rd, and then again in the afternoon. I want to thank you guys for giving so much, and I'm excited to see... um, what God's going to do with this group of relationships here. So, blessings. I'll see you next week. If you're not done and you're still crying, you can stay. Thanks for listening. We want to be a resource for you as you walk with Jesus. So please connect with us at radiantvicelia.com. Until next time.